Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I want to give a shout out to everybody that watches us online and uh, listens to us on the radio. We're on the radio in Colorado Springs out of Fort Morgan and also Midland, Texas. And I actually got a text from my brother just a while ago that, uh, from a friend of his that says, hey man, where's your brother's church? I listen to him every Sunday morning on the radio. And he goes, Kiowa, Colorado. He goes, well, that might be a little too far for me to come. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's, it's really awesome what God is doing through y'all. Uh, through us in this ministry, reaching people that you've never seen, you've never heard of, but God's reaching them uh, through our message. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. It's right before Psalms and Proverbs, right after Nehemiah. Maybe, I don't know, I think. So, uh, years, well... In about 2010, whenever uh, I thought God was moving me up here to start a cowboy ministry in Colorado, one of the strangest things about that wasn't the fear of moving and possibly losing my jobs. I was trivocational. I had three full-time jobs in Texas. And I knew I'd probably lose about two of those if I moved up here. And I kept them for about a year before they let me go. I always wanted to be a full-time preacher, but not like that. But uh, anyway, God had other plans. But I remember distinctly when I was praying about moving to Colorado, I, I never felt like I would be punished if I didn't. Like, I, I, God doesn't go, you know what, Kevin, this is what I would like for you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm not going to love you anymore. There, there's no manipulation with God. Basically, what he did is he said, you know what? You can move up here and start a cowboy ministry. And I'm not going to tell you all of the blessings and all the struggles and, and all of the, the, uh, the happiness and the heartache. I'm not going to tell you anything about that. But you can stay here on your family ranch if you wanted to, because that was my dream. That was my dream, was to be married and raise my kids as the fourth generation on that ranch. Uh, well, maybe fifth generation, depends on if you count my great-grandmother or not. But... Uh, and she wasn't raised out there, she just got it. So yeah, that was my dream. But I never felt compelled, compelled's not the right word. I never felt like there was a looming punishment or anything over the top if I'd have said no. I felt like God said, listen, you can stay here on this ranch, you can continue working three jobs, you can have your little church in Fort Stockton that's pretty good, you know. You can do all of this stuff, or I'm fixing to show my age, or you can take what's behind door number two. <laughs> There's only like seven people here over the age of 40, I guess. <laughs> or you can have what's behind door number two, right? And I was pretty sure it wasn't a pig 
behind door number two, right? Because, well, Jesus was Jewish, so that, you know, even though the dietary requirements died, I just didn't think there was a pig waiting behind door number two. And so I figured that the best thing that maybe I could do was to give up my dream and follow what I felt like was God's will. Now, there's three things that I learned from that time period and that circumstance of praying whether or not I was going to come up here, okay? And the three things that I learned from that time was if God's going to be there, do it, right? If God's going to be there, do it. Now, here's what I mean by that. See, God's never going to ask you to do something that he's not going to go with you and do, Right? So if God is inviting you somewhere, go with him. If God's going to be there, do it. That's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned was there was no plan B. <laughs> like I've never really been a plan B guy. Now, I'm not saying I've never had to go to another plan A. <laughs> but there's never a plan B, right? I, I didn't. In other words, when I came up here, there wasn't a safety net, right? I mean, there wasn't. Like, I was just going to have to, my safety net was the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, right? And that's what I was depending on. There wasn't a safety net. There was no plan B. Whenever I decided to do something, I figured he was asking me to do this the rest of my life, and I, I was willing to do it. And the third thing that I learned from that is it's better to be the man winning or losing in the arena than the man wishing in the stands. And I didn't want to be one of those that just sat in the stands wishing I would have done something. And up to that point, I really didn't think that I had done a whole lot, right? Well, there's somebody else that I think experienced those same things. And it's a lady named Esther. And her story is found in the book of... Jacob, Jacob that's right, that's right. <laughs> no, it's in Esther. So Esther, where this scene takes place, is around 780 BC. The Jews have been conquered by the Persians. Most of them have been taken back to Persia. And, and like they're living their lives. They're, they're, they're not slaves like they were in Egypt. Although they are captive, they're allowed, the Babylonians and the Persians and, and even some extent the Romans, they didn't try to suppress everybody. They just went in and ruled. And even when they brought back captives, there was still businessmen. And the story of Esther and her cousin Mordecai, Mordecai is a businessman in Persia, right? But anyway, so the king of Persia at the time is a guy named Xerxes. I don't know why his name is Xerxes because there's no Z in his name. There should be like three of them, but there's not. There's just a bunch of X's. It's great for Scrabble. Coincidentally, Xerxes ends up marrying a Jewish girl named Esther. 
or Hadassah, right? Ends up marrying a girl. This is the same Xerxes. Please tell me y'all have seen 300. The Battle of Thermopylae. That is the exact same Xerxes that Esther is married to. That happened in 780 BC, and I think Xerxes ruled from 784 to like 765. So that's the time period. So to tell you the story of Esther, if you don't know it, I will try to, you know, summarize it down. The king's wife runs off or dies. I can't remember. That's king needs a new wife. He puts out that he wants a new wife, find the prettiest girls in his entire kingdom, and Esther is one of them that's chosen. The king ends up choosing her, and she has to go through a year-long purification and beauty and all of that to just get ready to be the queen, and she becomes a queen. There's a bad guy in the story, and through some uh, bad guy stuff, he decides to have every Jewish person killed, and he talks the king into it. Well, her cousin Esther Mordecai, Mordecai's her her cousin finds out about this plot and goes to Esther and says, listen, we need to do something about it and you're the only one that can. Because it's not like Xerxes for some reason just didn't have an open door policy. If you came before the king uninvited, he could either pardon you or he would kill you. Those are the only two options. If you came to him unbidden, now, you could submit and say, I need to come talk to you, and he'd say, come on. But you can't just barge in and talk to him. So Mordecai tells Esther, you're the queen now. You need to do something about this. And this is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It's found in Esther 4, verse 14. This is Mordecai talking to Esther. For if you remain silent... At this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Man, what a powerful deal. So, to go on with the story, basically, and I'm just going to kind of focus on Esther's part, not the whole Haman and Mordecai part. It's a great, it's not a very long book. Go read it. Go study it. It's phenomenal, right? Um, so Esther goes unbidden. Well, first off, right after this, she says, Okay, I'll do it, but you go tell every Jewish person you know to pray for me for one week, and then I'll go in to see the king. And so that's exactly what happens. And she walks in there knowing that she could be killed or pardoned. One of the two things. Something was going to happen. If God is there go for it. See, Mordecai said, for if you remain silent at this time, 
If you remain silent at this time, listen, God had put her in this position. She knew it. She knew it. If you remain silent at this time, if God is there, go for it. Even if it's the scariest thing in the world, if God is there, go. See, people always say, like, if you've been listening to Save the Cowboy or, or been around for a while, you've heard me say this, but the, the question that I get asked the most that I don't really think needs to be asked is, or people will say to me, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I do not think that is a truthful statement. I think we all know God is talking to us about something in our lives right now. And people come up to me and they say, yeah, I don't really know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. I think you do. You know that there's an area in your life that you could get better at. That, that it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of nagging, like, man, I really should do that. I really should do that. And I'm talking about God, you know, something with God. Not necessarily going and working out or, you know, getting another job. Nothing material. Something on the inside. People always say, I don't know what God wants me to do, so I'm just waiting on him to tell me. He's not going to. He's going to offer you a choice just like he offered me. And he does that to us all the time. He says, you know what? This is where you need to go. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I think that's a load of, of cow recycling, if I may be so bold, is when people say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Because, see, here's, if you need, like, maybe a jump start, see, there used to be this thing that we did growing up is, you know, when your battery was dead, you, 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 you rolled, the, or when your starter was out or something, you rolled the truck and you popped it, popped the clutch in second gear and you took off, Right? Well, listen, if you, if you need a push start to what God wants you to do, let's cover three things right quick. Number one, love Him. Love Him. I mean, I, I know that sounds so simplistic, but if you'll think about that for just a second, that's what He wants. Because He loves you so much that He allowed His one and only Son to be brutally murdered and stand in your place and receive the punishment for your sins. And what does he ask in return? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Right? I mean, if you're looking for something to do, you will never go wrong with that right there. Love him. This is the rocket fuel for your growth. I would say... Spend about 65% of your day actively loving God. Actively loving God. Do you love Him more than anything? Or do you love Him more than everything spiritually? You know what I mean? You ever, oh, I love God. I love God. Do you? Well, I mean, do you actively love Him? See, loving God foremost, you know, I, I had a person tell me one time, and, and, I, and I really feel like this was from the Holy Spirit. Somebody told me one time, you know what? I love the way you preach. I love what you have to say. 
but I ain't loving God more than I love my kids. It ain't possible. It's not possible. And I said, why do you equate loving God means that you can't love your kids, right? And I said, but here's the thing. She goes, well, I'm just not putting God first. I'm not putting God above my kids. And I said, listen, here's where you're mistaken. When you love God even more than you love your kids, you are able to love your kids to a level that you would never be able to love them on your own because that's what God does is he levels us up. He creates in us, he is love. By putting God first and loving him, that is the rocket fuel that will send you to places that you can never get by yourself. It's not possible. Love him. Second thing, love others. <laughs> and if you think loving God is hard, because he loves you right back. Those other ninkin poops. And I'm the biggest one. I, I'm hard to love. I'm hard to love. Y'all do not have to shake your heads. Yes. Okay? I do appreciate your love, okay? All of you. I do. But loving others, you know, I mean, this is the air that we breathe. This is our essence. This is what God asked us to do, to love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second thing he said do. And I guarantee we can all do that a little bit better than we did yesterday, or the day before, or maybe this morning, right? I just don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Love him. Love others. And finally... If you really, really, you think you, you think you a hand, love God with all your heart, all your soul, love others. And if you think, well, I bet I can do that. How about we throw a third pickle in the jar? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, really, that's how we navigate this life is we look for what we're not afraid of and we go, we take the easiest route possible. Oh, there's something scary. We go this way. Oh, there's something scary. We go this way. And actually, actually what God wants you to do is if you're scared of something, go straight at it. Go straight at it because he's on the other side. See, I, I, I was a I mean, I was making six figures. I had a plane that picked me up. I had a company truck. I lived on the family ranch. You want to talk about a dream? That was a dream. And I decided that I wasn't going to be scared of how I was going to take care of my family. I was going to trust God in that. So I went. And, and not being afraid is the toughest thing that you'll ever do. Because see, listen, man. In Christianity... Tyler can tell you about this. See, Tyler's one of the best bronc riders you'll ever see, Tyler Turco. But he ain't a bronc rider till he shakes his face and the gate opens. See, a lot of us, we, you know, we want to be in the arena, but we just want to sit on it, but never open the gate. And then we climb off, oh yeah, I got on a bronc. You're not a bronc rider, you're not a bull rider. You're not a roper unless you throw the rope. You're not a bronc rider until the gate opens. You're not a bull rider until you shake your face. 
and say, yes, I'll do it. See, anyone can talk about what they would do for God. Will you stand up and do it? Shake your face and do it. See, if God is there, go for it. Go for it. And there is no plan B. There is no plan B. Esther didn't have a plan B. She was walking right into the king's chamber. She was going to live or die. There was no plan B. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. That's what Mordecai told her. Deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Now, see, the Jews had a plan B because God's not going to lead them. God's not going to let his own people be genocide. I mean, Germany tried it. And Israel became a state for the first time in 2,000 years when that happened, right? You can't outdo God. But see, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Here, this is so scary. And I'm going to tell you, you start, well, what is that? Why is that scary? This is why it's scary. Because if you don't tell somebody about Jesus Christ that God is asking you to, or whatever that is, if you don't do it, God will send somebody else to do it. And they'll get the blessing that was reserved for you. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. Grab a hold of your blessing and don't turn loose of it, man. God walks up to us every day. Every single thing that he is asking you to do has blessings that you cannot comprehend associated with it. And, and, and probably zero of them are material. Zero of them are material. Grab a hold of your blessing and don't turn loose because God's got some blessings set aside just for you. Not just for Esther, not just for Kevin, not just for Ty. He has something waiting for you too. Don't give it away to somebody else. Don't give it away to somebody else. Blessings come from doing God's work, not our work. And listen, man, I, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm going to ask y'all to stop doing something. And I'm not asking you to tell somebody to stop doing it. I'm just going to ask y'all to stop doing it. Quit calling your $1,500 a month car payment a blessing. God has just blessed me with seven years of $1,500 a month so I can impress other people with my vehicle. Right? Stop calling material stuff blessings. And I'm not saying that they can't be, but most of the blessings that come from God do not have anything to do with materialism. And I hate to see Christians going around talking about stuff like that. And I'm not saying God can't bless us financially, but when he blesses us financially, we're like, well, we're just going to use that to help other people. We don't even think about it, right? I mean, I know somebody on the front row that... I know several people in the front row. The reason God hadn't made them millionaires is because they just give it all away. I know it. <laughs> I, there's just no doubt in my mind. They just give it all away. If you don't do it, then somebody else is going to get your blessing. And by blessing, just so we all understand, to me, a real blessing is something that can never be taken away by somebody else. Honor, integrity, courage, strength, compassion, love, endurance, honesty, 
truth. These are the, where the blessings are. The way God blesses you, he's not gonna give you something that somebody more powerful than you can come over here and cold cock you and take your blessing. It doesn't work like that. The true blessings can never be taken by this world. If they could, then it would just be like, you know, here, I'll take it, here, I'll take it. Here, it, it that's not right. Drop your plan B. What are you waiting on? If God is there, go for it. Shut plan B out the window, right? I'm not saying live carelessly. That's not what I mean. But be the man in the arena. Be the man in the arena. Mordecai told Esther, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Be the man in the arena. You are not where you are by any accident. You are not hearing these words online, on the radio, in person. You are not hearing them by accident. You are the only Christian at work? Perfect. That, I've never understood that. Well, I'm gonna quit my job because I'm the only Christian at work. What? You gonna take out the only light bulb in that place? Right? You are the only Christian at work? Who knows? But maybe you're in that position for such a time as this. This service was brought to you by Pat Gray Collision Center at 3221 West Industrial and Platinum Collision at 1501 South Midkiff, both in Midland. Go see Scott Stevenson, Tony Farmer, or my little brother, Jason Weatherby, for all your auto body needs. If nothing else, stop by and tell them I said hello and that you appreciate what they do. For Safety Cowboy, this is Kevin Weatherby. Catch you next time.